and they're going to say, okay, shoot this, and you have four minutes, right? So you have to locate all of your targets, and then you have to engage, you know, one, two, or three times, whatever the case may be. So if you have this, you can locate all of your targets inside of your rifle quickly, range them. It'll save each and every dope. Then you just go through and, you know, it, it's going to cut it in, in half. What is up, everybody? Jim to my right, Mr. Nick Blau and Tucker Schmidt across from us, part of Team Vortex. And uh, Team Vortex internal team, you guys do a lot of stuff. And a lot of the stuff you do here involves shooting guns a lot. It does. We are on the dealer sales. We're a part of dealer sales, but we are specifically on the dealer training team. So we go to dealers or they come to us. We train them on specific products, specific weapons platforms, stuff like that. Get them, uh, get them sharp on our lineup. Get them all spun up. Yes, In, internally as well. We do a lot of internal uh, trainings as well with uh, new products that are coming out just to get um, everybody kind of spun up on what's going on here prior to its release. So everyone's kind of tracking. Perfect. Perfect segue because this is a new product alert, Jim. These are fun ones. We got a new product here. It's, this is finally, uh, we record hundreds and hundreds of episodes and occasionally, occasionally management comes over and says, yeah, uh, if you could uh, do an episode where you actually talk about a product of ours, that'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I liked your, your little uh, phantom cup of coffee there. Right. Uh, and, and we do have one today, an exciting one, a uh, an intricate one. There's a lot going on here. Did we say what it is yet? We have not. No. This is the Impact 4000 Ballistic Rail-Mounted Laser Rangefinder. Correct. And uh, to my knowledge, it is the very first of its kind, kind of solely focused on the civilian market, right? They've always been out there. There's a few others that are, you know in the five digits price-wise, uh, this one is going to be quite a bit cheaper than that, and we believe it's going to outperform a lot of those units for, for what it does. Wow. Wow. What's this thing coming in at? I believe MAP is nineteen ninety nine. Correct. Okay. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that's going to be, yeah, that's going to be like your street price. So, uh, gentlemen, let's, uh, let's go with, okay, so what is the unit? You know, how, uh, what is the unit? What does it do? Uh, how might a person, you know, uh, use it, like who's likely to use it, who's going to benefit from it, and, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of uh, a setup and things like that. But let's just, uh, like I said, there's a lot going on here, but let's just start with the base unit, its features, what it does. Sure. So at its core, it is a rangefinder. So it is, it does the job of any other rangefinder that we or anybody else would sell, right? You push the button, it's going to give you the yardage to the target, uh, obviously yardage and meters. Uh, beyond that, it is a, a ballistic solver. So it does use our GB ballistic engine inside of it. So that works with our app. You can link to it. Um, basically, you can mount it to the top of the scope with a parallel zero, and we'll probably get into that. Or you can mount it to the M lock on the side, and you would have to zero it slightly differently. Once you have that, you can range it via remote or button on top, and it will give you a ballistic solution in about half a second, I believe. It's very fast. It really holds zero. All of the things that have previously, you know, been you know sticking points with some other products, the engineering team really knew what the problems were, and they really attacked them uh, with this product. So, rangefinder, ballistic solver, has onboard, you know, weather and wind bearing capture and all the things you would really want from a ballistic solver. So, we're super pumped. Uh, on this product, so yeah. anything I missed? Nope. 
Uh, so a couple cool things about this too is that it doesn't uh, speak to one niche community. It speaks uh, across the board. It's super easy to use for your novice shooter to your more advanced shooter. Um, you can get as into the weeds as you want with it, or be as simple as you want with it. There's preloaded weapon, preloaded bullets that are inside of there. Ten of them um, that you can just pick a, um, a caliber, a caliber off the shelf, whatever the case may be, and you can go in there and select that, and it's going to give you a pretty accurate uh, ballistic trajectory for that bullet. And that in that kind of weapon system um even getting into the app and everything it's super intuitive to use um it's very simple to use even thumbing through it for maybe 30 minutes you understand what all the tabs do what all the um different um uh, openings do getting into building a rifle connecting it via bluetooth um, checking out your weather and as well as uh your files and stuff uh cool key feature on this one too is that uh, it has a mapping feature to where when you are linked up with this and you um calibrated it you have um connected to the app you can place pins on your map so building range cards and saving those range cards for future stuff or um tracking something you can kind of use it as a navigational tool as well as like hills and valleys might look different from up in the tree than they do on the ground so marking last sighting or last blood um, you can actually pin those on there on, on the mapping feature um, so one of the cool things just to touch on yep. what nick was saying with the mapping feature so there's two ways to drop those pins you can use the map itself and, and hit the icon drop the pins that way Another way is you can drop your location via the app, and then you can actually range a spot, and it will drop mm. a pin where you range, right? So where, oh, where wow. might that be good? If, you know, you guys hunt, I know yeah. you hunt at least a lot. Um, so you drop your location where you are, you, you know, engage an animal, you got to hit, you range that spot, it's going to drop a pin on that map. So then you That's track huge. down, yeah, track down to that spot. Okay, there should be blood somewhere in the vicinity Boy, if is, you did your job, right? So that is a very cool perk uh, to that system. I mean, that is super handy. I mean, I've done that before with, um, you know, like, you know, whatever digital mapping software that I'm using, you know, strictly for like navigation type stuff. But, right. you know, I'm always like, yeah, I think it was about here. And, it, and, the, and it, that'll get you right. That'll get you pretty good. If there's but notable landmarks, though. If there's notable landmarks, like you said, to be able to laze, mm -hmm. which you should know where you shot, to be able to laze that spot and be like, yep, that is the pinpoint spot where right. that animal was standing. Or even, and me, you maybe mentioned this too, you know, maybe it runs 50 yards and you're like, and yep, you I saw the trail that it hit to go into the timber. You're like, boom, okay, that's the last spot that I saw it. Man, those are two very concrete and important starting points. Now Mark's um, getting it. I think we're getting them. For that recovery process. <laughs> so, uh, Once you brought it back to hunting, it all clicked. Yeah, that's, he was that's very, how it can make sense to me. He was unsure. It's on a rifle that's not camouflage or green. Oh, whatever. It's got a Razor Gen 3 on it. It's tan. <laughs> he was like, I don't know if this is for me. But boom, sold. Well, that's, uh, yeah, now, that's cool. One, one of the things, because we brought up how, how intuitive and easy it is to use, and you're going to kind of have to, if you're not familiar with these sort of things, one, take our word for it a little bit, and I, I think we can also uh, further explain that. Uh, because when you first look at a unit like this, it may seem very foreign to some people, especially more of the novice shooters, people who are just, just dipping their toes in the waters with uh, any form of long-range shooting, whether it just be for... Um, you know, target shooting or uh, competition or hunting, something of that nature. But, um, you know, I think you look around at the market, we have plenty of handheld range finders, and you see, like, let's say, okay, this has ballistics on board. Great, there's handheld range finders with ballistics on board. Uh, they can be considerably more 
I should say, more affordable than something like this. So somebody might be wondering, like, well, what's the big deal with being able to mount it to my gun? Why is that important? Um, you know, and then of course there's uh, there's engineering things that go into a rangefinder that is mounted on a gun. It has to withstand recoil and stuff like that. So there's there's a lot going on in this that that isn't going on in your handheld unit. Um, so maybe you guys can can talk to that because you've had plenty of time with this and with shooting with handheld rangefinders as well. Well, basically what you've done is you've now created a variable power laser rangefinder with more stability than a handheld. Then finding a tree, finding an elbow, shooting out those farther ranges, you're going to be a little bit shaky, right? Did I actually hit the target that I'm looking at or did I go over the top or shoot a little bit short? Um, in a firing position, you're going to be as stable as you possibly can be. Now you have a variable 36 to 6, in this case, laser rangefinder. Um, you're going to have much more accurate feedback because you're actually going to be on that target in a stable shooting position um, to get that feedback um, a lot more confidently than you would if you were like this and, and shaking yeah. at those farther and farther distances. Now, granted, you can put those uh, handhelds on tripods. You can put them on bags. You can brace yourself against trees, and it's not taking any way, anything away from that. Um, but something you have to do too is now I've located this, this animal. This is the big one too, yeah. and especially in a hunting yeah. application. So. I've located this animal in my scope. How far away is it? I have to come off my scope, reacquire that target in my less powered handheld, seven power, six power, whatever the case may be. Now I've found it. There it is. I'm a little shaky. Now I'm going to come back to my scope. Where'd that, where'd that go? Did it move? Did it stay in the same spot? And you have to reacquire it three different times to be able to engage this target. And to where you can stay on the gun the entire time, press a button, whether it is on the remote or on the device itself, stay on that target the whole time and get your ballistic solution right there, whether you're holding over or dialing that, you don't have to come off the gun yeah. at all. Yeah, so this, uh, again, kind of for reference for people who just aren't quite familiar with this, like right now, looking at it on the table, if you're just listening, this is on a, a bolt-action rifle. It's a chassis gun, but it's it's nothing super out of this world in terms of chassis, long-range rifles. Uh, and it has that Razor 636 on top. That's not the only scope that this works with. We'll, I'm sure, get into that more. Uh, but it has a diving board mount, we call it. So on the front ring, there is actually a bit of Picatinny rail above that that this rangefinder is mounted on. Now, it's forward towards the muzzle end, of the elevation turret. So you may be used to, on your handheld rangefinder, you actually look through the rangefinder. It has an ocular on it, an objective end, and you hold it up to your eye and look through it. This is not designed to be looked through. In fact, it, it has a screen on the backside, uh, like a an LCD readout, and uh, it doesn't have any ocular for you to look through. You're actually looking through the rifle scope. And you mentioned uh, a terminology earlier that we use in rifle scopes all the time, Tucker, you said you zero this rangefinder, and it maintains its zero right. extremely well, even under recoil. So again, that's kind of another weird thing. So go into how it works, where you're looking through your rifle scope, but you're using this rangefinder on top. That's kind of, yep. a, again, so a new thing. That's a great segue, too. Uh, they all work a little differently. This one in particular, we recommend the parallel zero. What that means is the scope is looking downrange. We recommend 100 yards for the zero. You can do it less. You can do it more. 100 is good because it's long enough to make sure you're good. Um, and how that works is you do turn on a vis laser. It's a very weak laser. It's not meant for aiming. Uh, you almost can't even see it in the bright daylight. So when we send you a box, there will be uh, a target that's dedicated to set this up with. There's little spots where you're going to put reflective tape on it. 
Um, so when your laser will pass that area, you'll see it ping on that reflective tape. So in this situation, you would want to mount it exactly, I don't know, about three inches above the scope line. So on that target, there's going to be a crosshair where you would line up your scope reticle with the crosshair on the paper. Mm-hmm. And, and a, then you'd want a zeroed scope reticle. Correct. You zero the scope first, right? right? That's done. We're, we're assuming that's already good. And then you will line the laser up on the reflective tape that is roughly about three inches above that crosshair. Once you get those two things lined up, like you are done. Um, then you're good. So then you have to turn the laser off. A lot of people are going to think or wonder, uh, you can't use lasers hunting. You're right. You can't. So if you are using the laser feature on this device, the, the unit will not work. You won't be able to push any buttons, uh, electronically. There is also a manual mechanical shutoff that you can just have off. Uh, the, the, the unit is useless if, it is on and working, right? As far as a laser, right? the laser is so, on, right? So yeah, we just it has to be a very clear delineation, uh, and that's why we make it that way because we don't want anybody to accidentally be going out there. They're on this hunt of a lifetime. Everything is hunky dory, and then it's like, oh, my laser's been on the whole time. So if somebody came right. up to me, they'd be like, hey, buddy, yeah, got illegal. A problem here. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that is what we don't want. So yeah, but I mean, and even just further clarification, there's not an electrical connection or going any going on at all in this diving board mount between the rangefinder and the scope. This Correct. this scope is exactly as it came from the factory. We didn't modify it. Nothing is like hooking into it at all. Um, so it functions completely normally. And uh, all it's doing, because we've zeroed the laser rangefinder to it, is then giving you the aiming point that your laser rangefinder is then, in theory, pointed at uh, because you've done that zeroing process. So Yeah, they're, um, they're independent devices they are. The working dis- together. Correct. The display is only on the rangefinder itself or in your app on your phone because right. it, it can communicate. Um, but, you know, that's kind of that's kind of how this functions. And then it's on you still to, once it gives you a ballistic solution based on what it's ranged and the distance and all of the atmospherics, which we'll talk into because it has a lot of uh, sensors on board, it's still on you to either hold over or manually dial into your turrets the correction. So that's a good point to bring up too. Uh, I, f- I feel like we kind of knocked that one, but you mentioned either holding or or dialing the turret. So if you've never used a weapons mounted rangefinder before, uh, there are two ways to use it. Right, you range, you get your bl- uh, ballistic solution. We'll say. 3.0. So it's on you to either hold over using your mill reticle or, or MOA, whatever, or you can dial uh, your turret to number three. Once you do that, if it's dialed and then you go to range again, it's not zeroed to the scope anymore, right? You've changed where your yeah, reticle is. So 3.0 off. Right. So you can hold under 3.0 and still range as you were, or you can dial back to zero and then range, just so everybody understands kind of how that process works. Right. It's a good, right. Uh, good call out for sure. That does make sense. And uh, I mean, an argument to, I generally like dial and hold, you know, that's what I'm like more right. familiar with, super comfortable with, but like I could definitely see like when using this device, I might be more inclined to shoot off the reticle. I don't Very know. fast. And that's the thing. And, and we touched on it when we were talking about uh, why, why this unit, from the time you find an animal, from the time you can engage it is a couple seconds rather than thumbing through your bino pack or, you know, trying to locate it again in your binos or your rangefinder, whatever the case may be. You can find it, push the button, solution, hold over and shoot in a couple seconds. It really yeah. gives you success, uh, improves your success odds. Yeah. Or because this has, and and we're kind of just we're dancing all over, but it's just because there's it's just so how many we do cool it though about this, but <laughs> because it can also give you a table of ballistic solutions, you could go out 
and say again this could this could relate to just being on the range it could relate to uh a an applicable competition style thing that you're uh you're in or in a hunting scenario you could be like oh i'm gonna have to potentially engage something there 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 and then build yourself out a chart and so you know at point a i'd be dialing this if something came out or if i had to engage that at point b i'd be dialing this i mean right. Right, you can do something along those lines so you can you can mix and match you can knowing distances to sp- specific places and having them super easily accessible and right in your field of view. I mean, that's really, that's what it all boils down to. You can use that yeah. as creatively as you want. I'm sure there's all kinds of people who are thinking of ways that they could use it in their own specific scenario. It's really no different than getting in a tree stand, right? And when you get up there, the first thing I do, at least as an archer, is I'll, I'll lays four or five points. So if something's quick, I kind of know about how far it is, right? And yeah. the cool thing is with this, nothing stores it. I have to kind of remember. This will mark it all down into that nice range card so you know where it is. Uh, if you do it with the app, it'll like I said, it'll drop points on there, and it'll give you your corrections to each one. So if something comes out, you can tap the point on your phone. Okay, 4.7. Boom, 4.7, and engage it. I mean, it really does streamline the process, I think, is the biggest perk for hunters. Mm-hmm. A big mm-hmm. thing that our engineers wanted this wanted um, with this product, too, is more ways to do one thing. Rather than tunneling people into doing one thing, there's many different ways that you hunt or you hunt or you hunt. It doesn't kind of take everyone and be like, Hey, you got to hunt like this now. Right. And there's a lot of different avenues and, we're, and we'll go into that, the, the environmentals of it all too. But even for, um, building range cards, you can build a range card inside of this, um, and have it drop down for you. You can build the range card, have it on the map and have it on the map for you. You can take that map range card and send it to a spreadsheet and print it off, laminate it. So you have that. You can send it to a ballistic watch. You can send it to an e-dope card. Like there's many different ways to get what you, you know, want to achieve in an application. Mm-hmm. So there's not just one way of doing it. What uh, you We've also touched on the fact that it has a Bluetooth capability. You can connect to your phone. There's an app and the app inevitably will make it easier to use because you now have a big touchscreen phone that you're using and stuff like that. But it doesn't have to function that's with a, a phone good, nearby. That's a good right? point. Yeah. So you have those 10 uh, preloaded ballistics um, profiles. Profiles, yeah. thank you. And they're on board that. Once that's all been saved onto the unit, it's it's good to hook. Like you can just take it out right. into the woods or take it wherever you want. You don't even have to have your phone on your or on at all or anything like so that. So there's a, a few things that engineers really wanted to pound home. They knew the problems with existing products. They wanted to make sure this was not an issue uh, with this unit. One being Bluetooth connectivity. It needs to be easy, needs to be fast. Uh, you know, just like you would with your Apple phone, you connect to your Bluetooth headphones, you open it, bloop, it's connected. You don't have to think about it. Uh, this executes that perfectly. Uh, another one is, is holding zero. That's another common problem with a lot of these, right? It's not a rangefinder in your hand. It has to be zeroed to the rifle. So it has to withstand uh, shooting of, you know, from a six millimeter all the way up to whatever, 300 Win Mag, 338, whatever. Uh, and it does that. And uh, what else was there? I, I just went blank. I, mean, I didn't mean to distract <laughs> you. <laughs> no, that's what happened. No. It was Jimmy's fault. Yeah. But I was talking, I mean, just durability. Just yeah, that's a general, huge one. Huge one. Know? And return to zero. 
I mean, that's return what they were zero. going for. Yep. Um, robust, able to return to zero, um, giving the confidence to that shooter, putting this on. I've taken it off multiple times and putting it back on, and I've always checked to make sure and or at least see where that zero is going to be, and it's always right back where it was. Like even traveling, flying and stuff, I thought I was going to have some kind of shift in there. I didn't have a shift. I put it right back on, checked it. I was like, oh, I don't need to do anything. Yeah, I mean, and you're not talking like, oh, I had the rifle in the case with the unit mounted to the optic right. and you know whatever airline travel or mm-hmm. it's like no you physically pulled it off of you know the mount you yep. know stored it a different way maybe threw it in your backpack or whatever and put it back on and boom yeah and just to touch zero. on that a big part of that especially if you want to take it off and put it back on is using a, a inch pound torque wrench 45 inch pounds is what they recommend on the two nuts on the side as long as you do that every time it's going to be very, very close, if not perfect, uh, and at least in our experience in doing so. But we're not telling people not to check the zeros, right? right? We're mm-hmm. just saying, like, hey, the, the repeatability of it is very, very confident in my eyes. Um, but good practice is to, you know, always check your zero if you have any, si- any, you know, bumps, flights, stuff like that. It's always good practice to kind of do those things. For sure, for sure. And, like, not incredibly labor-intensive, like, check your zero cool like, like the rifle's still zero remount remount the impact 4000 yep that's still zeroed with that visible laser off you go you know uh as far as or kind of like features and benefits oh, a little bit i, I want to like. bring so up gonna... one other thing we're talking about the app right oh yeah but the unit itself you don't necessarily that's what i wanted need to hit on was that app. that was oh, the third yeah, thing yeah, yeah. like it truly out. can like Thank you, Mark. you can operate it completely independently of the app Input data, in, input ballistic profiles, got just into the unit. So that was my third point. I'm like, when I drew a blank, that's what it was. You don't need a phone or anything else. You do have those 10 profiles. You can easily scroll through using the directional pad on top and the settings button to go through and edit those. Like Nick said earlier, as, as easy as you want to be, you can use those you know loaded profiles or you can go in and edit them to your exact rifle system out in the field. No phone, no nothing. Uh, it works independently by itself that was kind of the third mm-hmm. huge thing they wanted because it has a on. that little screen on the back and which it is or it can be backlit and you can go through and do everything you need to do on that screen it's so a standalone unit right right that's pretty neat now speaking of like features and benefits and things i'm sure there's a lot of like more use case and how to use stuff that we can get into i'm sure but we've mentioned now a couple times the sensors um so uh going into how this thing functions and some of the things that make it really unique and cool and partly also uh the things that make it standalone um it has uh, when you come up with a ballistic solution you need to have a lot of information you need to know of course uh what cartridge you're shooting you need to know what bullet you're shooting and what muzzle velocities i mean there's like a a whole myriad of things and uh a, a good portion of the things involve the environment that you're in where you are and so there are, are a number of ways to get that data. You can have separate handheld weather meters and weather devices, which uh, in some cases can feed their information into this unit. Um, you can also check like local airports or something like that or, or use a map to figure out what altitude and stuff you're at. But this thing has all sorts of good stuff on board that can give you, and, and it can solve uh for itself and its ballistic solution it can just say hey i know where i am i know what the uh environmentals are because i'm sensing them so i'll just plug those directly into the ballistic solution so that's kind of a neat thing which um those sensors would be if you guys can help me out on this dense uh humidity 
pressure and um, direct compass azimuth uh, does that as well. Uh, density altitude is, is what yeah, you're looking density for. Density right? altitude is the overall number that we're looking for. That's the, what the bullet cares about flying through. It doesn't care what elevation you're at. It cares what thickness of the air is it's flying through. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it takes three different um, factors to kind of get you a density altitude. Elevation, pressure, and humidity. Mm-hmm. Those three factors give you a density altitude. How thick is the air? Because um, that bullet wants to know. We want to tell that bullet, hey, this is what you're flying through. This is what you need to account that elevation for to be able to achieve the distances that we're looking for. Um, so it, it does have on board those three sensors on board and it's, and it's factoring that density altitude and applying that to the trajectory of your bullet. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be drastically different at 10,000 feet and at sea level, mm-hmm. whether it's a super hot day at 10,000 feet or super cold. So those things change the, um, how fast our bullet goes. Um, so uh, direction of fire, compass, calibration, all that stuff is on board as well. Um, you're going to ha- have to calibrate this compass. Um, if you drive 30 to 50 miles away from where you uh, calibrated it last, I would recommend that you do it again. Um, if you kind of keep it in that same radius, um, I would have n- uh, pretty good confidence that it's going to be pretty true. And the importance of that is to be able to one, have your direction of fire, right? Because those things apply, and we can get into Coriolis and all those kind of crazy things that we um, kind of think about but not really think about, but they're there and they're scary sometimes. Um, but direction of fire, I mean, you need to know which way you're shooting on this planet to be able to compensate for um, the, the turn of the earth or whatever the case may be, um, um, spin drift, things like that. But for wind bearing capture mode, um, we need to know the direction of that wind, where it's coming from. And since this is something that is attached to a rifle and kind of like our Furies or kind of like our GP4000s, we have to point into that direction of, uh, of the wind and to be able to capture that azimuth to where with this, we don't have to now point our gun into the wind. If that's down the firing line or back behind us, you know, there's, this you is on, you don't want to grab a, your rifle and turn right. it around. <laughs> it oh, no, don't sense. worry. I'm getting uh, my wind bearing. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> You're good. 15 miles open. per hour, right? Jeez. Yeah. It's, <laughs> a, it's a wind thing. Just yeah. everybody calm down. <laughs> yeah. But for a safety concern, um, there is a kind of onboard um, clock dial in there. And uh, if you've calibrated your compass, you know the direction of fire, and you give it a 9 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 6 o'clock, it's going to know where that azimuth is coming from, and then you give it a mile per hour, and it's going to apply that direction of the wind and the mile per hour to the direction of fire, as well as that density altitude to give you a pretty confident um, shot solution going out to those further and further distances. Yeah, so t- we acquired GeoBallistics. I think now it's been, you know, a year or two. Uh, it's It's been public, what, six, eight months, something like that? Yeah. And I think the reason being is they were, you know, working out some details, maybe adding a few things that would kind of work for our our system, our software that we're trying to use. And uh, inside of that app, you mentioned it, it's very easy if you do have your phone and you do have service to, to pull your local airport. It's very, very simple. Uh, I would recommend using the unit, obviously, but they made it very, very easily if you are using the unit to just push the back button, that'll pull up your your weather, your wind bearing, and then you just scroll through uh, to the direction of the wind using a very simple clock face, and it'll have a little arrow. It's very easy. Point the arrow into the wind. Uh, very simple. So we think it's very intuitive. That was another kind of key thing they wanted to do, and uh, it, it really is easy to use your very first time. So we were part of a you know a test group, I guess you want to call it. So they, they gave us these units, no instructions, and like, here it is, figure it out. And I would say within 10 or 20 minutes, we had profiles built, ready to shoot. It, it was very, very easy. 
That being said, Nick and I have both shot long range and use ballistics a lot. So if you're newer to that, uh, Nick actually recorded a lot of videos that are going to be released uh, when this product comes out. It's just like the Fury videos uh, with Ruben. Very, very easy walkthrough. So if you have a question, you can skip to a part and, and kind of get your answer very easy that way. Mm-hmm. Good plug. Nice. That is. I mean, what, <laughs> nice. a, what a huge asset, you know, to be able to account for the wind with like that level of accuracy and precision because Correct. I mean you guys know way more than I do but appreciate that well, that that damn wind <laughs> and it's yeah the wind but and and to just further like cement it for I think people when we talk about there being a compass on board like right right now like if you're in a shooting position say and you're looking one direction you use a little clock face and you point an arrow where the wind is coming from and you give it a, a mile per hour value you're like okay that's great and all but what if I move and that's that's where the compass comes in. That's why it's so important because now, once that's been saved, if you move, the it like, and you're facing a different direction, or if you've literally just moved positions entirely, it's still going to remember that direction, right. uh, and it and also um, the miles per hour that you put in. Now, of course, that may change. Of course, like over the course of the day, it's always gusting and lulling. Yeah. yeah, I said course three times there in like one sentence. You just um, driving it home. Good. I got it. Really, it's exactly. Um, <laughs> of course, you did. <laughs> Stay on so course. So that can change. Uh, that can change throughout the day, or it can change when you move positions and stuff. But it, it will remember. So you don't have to always be updating that. You know, if you're just in one spot and you're just kind of changing where you're facing. Of course, it yeah. will. <laughs> Appreciate, thanks. God, thanks, everybody. <laughs> Everyone's making. Thanks, everybody. We're trying to make you feel better. Jim. I agree that we're just yeah. jumping on board. I agree that. Yeah. Of course, you guys are. <laughs> so, you know, what? I'm good. I'm good. No. Let's move on. You know what? I mean, case in point. That was a good point, though. I was I was bear hunting with a really good friend of mine of last week, and I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna give me a like uh, percentages of like where a bear might come out, I'd be like ninety eight percent. We're going to see him down in this valley. Mm-hmm. He goes up and just peeks over the hill behind us a little bit. Yeah, 2%. There's a bear, like, on the other side. And it was just, you know, one of the, ended up not getting them. Bear didn't stay put long. And I didn't spook or anything. He was just moving through a small hole. But that's where, I guess, you know, if you were having to account for wind, I mean, you're essentially doing a 180 from, yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, so... And it would take that into account. And even, I mean, wind can make a big difference if you're facing, say, and the wind is coming from your direct 9 o'clock and you just change your where you're facing 30 degrees or so. Huge difference. It's not all that odd in the hunting no, scenario, especially sure. when you're in some mountainous region or you're looking down in valleys and stuff like that. It's not odd at all, but it can change what that wind correction is going to be. Yeah. So a, a 30, 30% angle on that is probably 45, 50% yeah. of what the wind value is. So for a 10 mile per hour wind, you're looking at a five with that 30 degree change, which could be a miss off the front end, miss off the back end in a, um, a gut shot, whatever. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A wound or a, or a kill. So, yep. mm-hmm. and we're touching a lot on wind and wind direction and hunting, but uh, aside from hunting, I believe this is going to be the absolute most valuable. And don't get me wrong, it's going to be extremely valuable hunting. But also in that sniper comp, anything where you have to range, locate targets uh, quickly, yes. right? I'm so glad you right. brought that the up. Unknown distance. I kept waiting for a time to kind of touch it in. That was kind of the best I could figure it. But 
any type of sniper match or or NRL hunter, same thing. You're going to have to have all your gear in hand. You're going to walk up with your backpack, your tripod, whatever it is you need, and they're going to say, okay, shoot this, and you have four minutes, right? So you have to locate all of your targets, and then you have to engage, you know, one, two, or three times, whatever the case may be. So if you have this, you can locate all of your targets inside of your rifle quickly, range them. It'll save each and every dope. Then you just go through and, you know, it's going to cut it in in half. There are guys that do have a unit similar to this, whether it be a Wilcox Raptor, a Mars, whatever the case may be, uh, and they usually dominate time, right? They're not timing out. So this kind of makes it affordable. Again, that's eight, nine, ten thousand dollars or something, right? Something like that. So this is, I mean, it's still a premium piece of equipment, right? It does come with a price tag, but for the value it provides to that end user is going to be far beyond, right? So guys that have that are typically military guys that got the check one out of the cage uh, or guys with lots of money, right? And and they're very rare. So this kind of gives the everyday user in that competitive world an affordable option to kind of get up and then have that same advantage that those guys have. So I forgot about those comps. PRS and all those uh, known distance target competitions Different. tend to be the uh, the prom kings of the competition world. But uh, That's true. <laughs> those ones, those so, ones out there uh, do involve the anytime you have an unknown distance target, really, whether it's competition hunting or whatever. Right. Yeah, NRL hunters kind of taken off too, uh, yeah. and and that's the same thing. It's it's more hunting related uh, competition. I know you guys have at least shot one or two PRS match. The difference being PRS match. You said known yardage. If people don't know what that is, you basically have a booklet where the yardage is already there. So this isn't going to provide that value. Uh, you have the time ahead of time to put all your dope in and build your card. So if you don't have a known yardage target, so if you have six or seven targets, you have to actually laze, locate, and then get a dope card. This is going to streamline that process at you know 80% faster than it would. I mean, even um, non-competitive. I could just see for Correct. a person who likes to shoot right. and shoot long range, which a lot of us do because it's a lot of fun, this would be like a really, really cool thing to have. And then, you know, not necessarily like big game hunting, but... You know, you think like uh, prairie dog hunting or something like that. I think Nick just went, right? Did mm-hmm. you get to use some of these? Mm-hmm. So you, because I have not done that with this unit yet, so you tell me. But, you know, I mean, generally or can be uh, extremely flat landscapes. Maybe, you know, s- less. You know, sometimes like I'll be rain- ranging, which I love handheld range finders. I will continue to use handheld rain- range finders. But maybe you got a, an animal that's across a canyon. I mean, sometimes I'm like, yeah, that was probably the animal, but it's either the animal or the hill that's like one foot behind it. Like, I'm going to be okay, mm-hmm. right? Right. Where you get in some of those flatter landscapes, whether it's antelope hunting, uh, prairie dog hunting, coyote hunting, perhaps. A um, little bit more difficult to be like, oh, mm. yeah, I know exactly what I hit there. Yeah. yeah. So um, how was it with prairie dogs? I know you got spent a couple of days out there. Well, it was awesome because it, it got people that don't necessarily use these kind of things to be in the scope, stay in the scope. They don't have to come off something, refine this tiny dot um, out in the middle of this vast prairie, right? Where there's no landscape. Like you said, there's just, it's just flat, no trees. Hey, you see that, that grass? Yeah. Which one, right? <laughs> so it, it keeps that, that shooter inside of that, that gun the entire time. They can scan that, that hillside. If they see one, now they're still on it and they can laze it and they can get their dope, look up at their dope, dial it in or hold over. And we were engaging these prairie dogs within 10 seconds of them locating them. I was trying to, to struggle to just to get on to where they were. Right. So they think were already if they, engaging yeah, they were already on it. They already had their wind calls. They already had their dope. I just wanted to make sure I, I was calling good um, corrections for them if they were a little higher or a little left and right. Um, but sometimes they were outpacing me. And these are people that don't don't shoot as much as Tucker and I do. And, and I mean, it's just fun to kind of see them do that. And I've seen I saw it with 
the impact on one and the handheld on the other. Granted, they both had great success, but the timing and, and the quickness and came from the impact. So those guys yeah. were all pretty new users as a whole. Did they find it pretty easy to kind of navigate through the menus and use, you know, functionality-wise? I mean, did, did they do they pretty well with that? They were picking it up really, really quick. They yeah. were a little t- intimidated, I think, from from it being such a kind of a new product to the civilian market or being a new product to them personally. Um, I think they were a little intimidated, but I kind of showed them, you know, the, the highlights, the bullet points of it all and mm-hmm. how to make their life a little easier going through it. And they picked it up and... and Hell, I mean, they were just like they don't—they don't, they don't even need me anymore. They got it all right here. <laughs> all right, be like, quiet. Well, I'm ready. Okay, yeah, I gotta have some job, some <laughs> job security here. So, um. <laughs> see how they might outpace you, though. I mean, in your career, you're pretty used to a bunch of bunch of pretty slow shooters and not well, having to do a whole lot of spotting and stuff. You know, um, no, I think it, this thing can be intimidating to look at. I mean, I don't know if it's the same effect that some people get when they like get put in front of the camera. You know, I mean, yeah. all you got to do is look down the part, and I'm probably like destroying my eyes right now. This one's off. <laughs> Um, somebody who's definitely going to call me out on that, but, uh, but you look at it though and you're like, what? It just kind of looks a little space agey. Um, yeah, it looks different to my gun. Yeah, it does. It looks different than stuff that you're used to, but it's, it's really everything about it. And and a lot of the reasons the design is the way that it is, is actually to make it super easy to use. Uh, It just looks cool, right? It does look pretty neat. (laughs) Yeah. We had a, we had a tripod. We have this little tripod display. It can hold what six or seven scopes on it, five scopes, whatever. And on one of them, this was a, you know, in-house training. So, or not in-house, but with a dealer, um, they were all sworn to secrecy and everything, but they would see this up there and they're like, well, what is that? And so a lot of people have never even seen this before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it probably is a little intimidating and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So, well, like you said, Jim, it looks a little space agey. It's mounted, you know, in a spot where you don't generally see anything mounted, you right. know, uh, but it just, it sounds bulletproof. It sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. I've spent a little bit of time with it. You'll uh, get more. Can, can we talk a little bit about how you would interact with it though? Because it, we've, we've discussed the fact that it has some buttons on top. It's got a directional pad with a button in the center. It's got two other buttons. One says settings and one says WBC for that wind bearing capture. Um, now you don't have to reach up if you have it mounted piggyback style on top of a rifle scope, you don't have to reach up and fiddle with the directional pad way up on top of your rifle scope. That's especially difficult to do. I'm sure if you're in the prone or something like that, or if you're trying to be discreet with right. your motions, uh, you can use though the included remote. Uh, how about that? It's, I, when I say included remote, I feel like I'm selling. Tele- yeah, like, I mean, you did. A, I was ready to buy a TV. Like I'm, I'm not selling gonna... TVs back in 2003. Do they get the juicer and the steak knives too, Jim? Oh yeah, and the slap chop. So I'll let Nick kind of talk over the buttonology and stuff. But just a, a bullet point is a lot of people ask um, about remotes or multiple units stuff like that. So the best case would be whether you're you're barricade shooting or you're prone shooting, you'd almost want that remote in two different spots. So if people have the question, you can buy extra remotes and stick them to your rifle. Keep, I mean, you can have an extra in your bag. So multiples will work with the same unit. So I just wanted to touch on that. You can have two remotes that you can this thing at once. Yep. You can. Yeah. Oh, that's, Hmm. I mean, that's not for me, but I know some of those guys, some people will want it, right? Weirdos. Yeah, that's right. So, so (laughs) how's it going to ask for is, Hey, they're going to ask, do you guys have one that's lead? (laughs) I can put it out on the front of my gun. That's it. Just have a a weight too. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So with the remote system, I mean, it is Bluetooth. And like Tucker said, you can connect um, different tokens or different um, devices to this. And the impact itself will let you know how many devices are connected to that at once. So with the impact being a device, it's going to say, it's going to give you a token up there. that says, hey, you have one device connected, two devices, three devices, if you have a phone, if you have a Kestrel, so on and so forth. So it's going to give you the amount of things that are actually connected to this thing. Um, uh, attaching our remote to it. Um, there's plenty of options. These aren't, these come in the box. It is, so it's not like after stuff. It's coming in the box. Doesn't matter what you are using. Key lock, M or key, uh, key mod, key mod M, M lock, lock uh, uh, Velcro, Velcro. Can I ask real quick? What do you guys prefer, key mod or M lock? <laughs> Definitely M lock. I mean, it's just easier. It's a lot easier. Plus, it doesn't look like Home Depot showing. Dude, key mod is so much easier. Yeah, I knew you guys were gonna say I'm like I just asked Old that question school. to get in a fight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Picatinny as well. So a pick a Jim, that's, that's as like well. asking who you voted for. Yeah, pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so these things uh, it'll allow you to actually mechanically attach the remote directly to your right. firearm via a rail of some sort or one of those right. direct mount applications. You've is got that what that little, little yep. velcro is on the back. You got yeah. it. Yep. You can stick them anywhere. So and, I, do I got one over there too. You've got a little hook so and I got loop multiple setup. spots on it. So hook if I loop, do, yes. you know, if I do just want one remote and this kind of inhibits a certain shot, I can just grab it and, and stick it over here on this side and still be able to. So having multiple places for velcro, maybe not multiple um, remotes, but if you want to do that, yeah, you, yeah, either or. So. The buttonology you mentioned, right? So to turn it on, the range button is going to be in the middle of this D-pad here. So you would just tap it once, you'll turn it on, you'll see the unit light up. And then to connect it, all you would do is just tap the remote button. I don't think this one goes to this unit, this so it's does. not. So you just tap it, turns red, turns orange, and then turns green once it's already, or once it connects to it. And it's like that simple thing, that, uh, that simpleness of it is that once you connect this remote, there's no reconnecting to it. It remembers it. It's like walking into your house and you automatically pick up Wi-Fi with your phone because you've connected to it. It's going to remember it. Um, the same thing that goes for your um, iPads or your phones and too. It's as soon as you have this turned on and your phone turned on or the remote turned on, it's automatically going to link that network together. So mm -hmm. there's not saying, Hey, there's 19 impacts on here. Which, which one do you want to connect to? Right. Yeah. Right. Connected at home. It's going to remember that network and you can safely go wherever you need to go, press your button. You know, it's going to link to that without any confusion. Yeah. And gotcha. just as quick as that thing turns green, I know we couldn't see it on our side, but he pushed it, it turned on and it turned green. It connected simply just like you would to like your Bluetooth headphones or, gotcha. or, or AirPods or whatever the case may be. Uh, another really cool thing is if you opened your app right now, it would automatically open that. So the cool thing is sometimes when you're out in the field, whether, you know, you're using some other ballistic solver or something, you know, you program it all at your house. You, you know, push all the buttons, you load it into the thing, and then you go out in the field, you start shooting, you're like, oh, I need to make a small change. Let me change the BC a little bit, the muzzle velocity, whatever. So the cool thing about the impact is if you do that in the field, next time you open your phone, it's going to ask, it's going to say, hey, I have two different versions of the truth here. Which one do you want to use? Do you want to use the impact version or do you want to use the phone version? I'm going to say, okay, impact version. It's going to boop, automatically update Ooh. that in your phone. Mm. So there's always going to be one version of the truth unless you want to, in which case you would just push cancel if you wanted to save that, you know, mm. different for whatever reason. So very, very cool. Uh, very easy. I really think, you know, Todd and, and Ben and Dustin just knocked it out of the park. It, it works way easier than things that are, are way more expensive. Because I mean, some of what we're getting at here is is the the Vortex Relay Network 
that's there that it was present on this. I mean, that's you're going to see that on the box, and you may be thinking like, well, what is that? And that's uh, that's what this uses. That's what the impact itself and the remote uh, are part of. And there may be future products in the Vortex line. Who knows? We're not I saying would, anything specific. I would say there may be things coming at some point yeah. in time. But the idea was, and just to give a little background on that, was um, anytime that you've used a device. I'm going to use uh, I'm going to use Apple as an example Perfect. because it's so easy, right? Yep. You get a new set of AirPods, you pull them out of the box, and you open them, and all of a sudden your iPhone's like, "You want to connect to those?" You didn't even do anything, and you're like, "Oh, great!" And those AirPods will work with your iPhone for per- perpetuity or whatever. Right. And when Apple comes out with a new thing and it has you know iOS on it or whatever it is, then Bing that can also connect to your iPhone. It's it makes it extremely simple, and uh, and you can always use their products with one another very simply that is the idea behind the vortex relay network and uh obviously it's a it's a new thing that we're rolling out with this um so you know i think that looking ahead yeah. that, that could be uh that could be something that we use yeah, more and, of. and just like a bullet point on that like if you've ever used advanced ballistic products or any products with some sort of bluetooth capability and you've tried to link them I don't care how many times you've done it. It has been a pain in the butt. It doesn't matter how much the thing costs or how nice it is. Whenever you want to connect it to something, uh, it's generally tougher than it should be. So that was another one of those key bullet points that they had when they yeah. were kind of making this and, and making it work. It's a And to brag on the engineers a little bit more, too, it's a ton of work to come up with something like that. What's not a ton of work is to make two products that you want to work together and then just create some kind of like hodgepodge duct tape and bubblegum together Bluetooth connection that only works between those two units and it will only ever work between those two units yeah. and those two units can pretty much never work with anything else that ever comes out in the future. So you're great. Hey, like I'm up to date. I got the latest and greatest new fad and technology right now. But as soon as something else comes out, all of my stuff is obsolete and it can't work with the new thing anymore and I need to go and buy all new stuff. And so, like, coming up with that type of Bluetooth connection, very easy, very simple, very cheap, blah, blah, blah. Coming up with this sort of thing where, hey, this is going to be our ship that we kind of ride out for forever and, you know, stuff that we come out with in the future can just easily plug into it. That's hard. That's, uh, that's really hard. So, to, again, kudos to the engineers for putting the time into actually making something that's uh, going to last a very long time instead of just kind of like, Oh yeah, it connects to the remote. Oh, we came up with something else for it. Oh shoot, it doesn't connect. Right. You know. And, and as users, like I know myself, I'm sure Nick as well, are super excited to kind of see where the relay network goes in the future. So this is the first thing. It has been a phenomenal experience. So super pumped on kind of the thing as a whole. That's yeah. awesome. We'll leave it at that. What about uh, a user that would buy an impact? They have multiple guns. They want to use it all. So that's a, a great point to bring up and. Uh, so in this case, we have our PMR rings, right? So uh, we have PMR rings. We also have the precision cantilever mount. All you would have to do is buy this standalone piece, right? So you pull your ring off, and all you do is replace it with this diving board just mount. The top, just that, the top half of that PMR That's it. Ring. And that's just a PMR. That's not the hunters or the pros. So you'd have to have the PMR rings already. Uh, you will have a standalone skew for the cantilever mount. That being said, there's a lot of cantilever mounts out there. If you have one or buy one from a different company, it's going to work just fine. All you really need is to pick a tinny rail um, to kind of solve mm-hmm. that. So very, very simple. That was cool that this is either a standalone part or you can buy the ring with a diving board amount if, say, you don't have those yeah. PMR mm-hmm. rings already. So if there's, you had multiple uh, rifles set up in this manner, let's say, yep. you just pull the Impact 4000 off, 
pop it on the new <laughs> rifle. You would select yes, a profile. Select profile and re-zero with the laser. Yeah, I was yeah, in a, depending on what the size rings you have for each um, weapon system. Um, you always want to find out what the center of this uh, laser is to the center of the scope. That's how you're going to get that uh, parallel offset. So okay. if you have something that's a little higher, a little lower, um, a 30 millimeter or, or a 34 millimeter, if I'm taking something and put it onto another gun, whether it's a scope, whether it's a laser rangefinder, I just want to confirm that prior to going out because I want that warm and fuzzy. Oh, when yeah. I go out there, oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't want to second guess when I pull that trigger. That's the worst feeling in the world. So just just do yourself a service and, and check those things. Prior. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. the reason why you're going through having all this equipment and this level of precision is because you're not into guessing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. depending on where that scope is zeroed on any particular rifle is never going to be the same from rifle to rifle. Mm-hmm. You're always going to want it close and, and to check to next point. To clarify real quick on the ring thing, because I want to make sure it's, as far as terminologies go, because some people use different terminologies things. So we have, uh, we have a set of the precision rings on here, the Vortex precision rings, and we've replaced the top half of the front ring with the diving board or a cantilever. Basically, it gives you a Picatinny rail on top. That's the only thing that we change about that set of precision rings. Now, does that additional top half piece, does that also, also work with the precision cantilever mounts that you can mount on like Correct. an AR-15 and stuff like that that we offer as well? So this you is, got it. This is a two-piece ring setup. We also have a single one-piece cantilever mount that you'd use on those uh, on those ARs or maybe a chassis gun that has a, a Picatinny rail or something that, that goes up over the barrel. Um, we offer that as well, and this will work with those too. You got okay. it. Good here. And 30-millimeter too, so 30-millimeter and 34. So if you have an LHT oh, or you have something nice. uh, larger like a, a 6 to 36, so it'll fit both those kind of tube size, 30-millimeter and 34. Okay, so yeah, make sure you match that up. And then also to Tucker's point, Vortex is the only manufacturer in the world that has uh, some sort of a ring setup that gives you a Picatinny rail on top. Uh, That's right. But it's the only one in the world that you want to use. <laughs> for sure. So I just yeah, want to clarify thank you for, yeah. that. It has to be a Vortex Picatinny to mount the Vortex <laughs> impact. Yeah, we talked about for how sure. easy we wanted it to be for people to use <laughs> and how it works with all these other things, but if you mount on a non-Vortex rail, then it, it literally doesn't even turn on. Yep. Um, so that's the only tidbit, sorry. Uh, just kidding. So... <laughs> Can we talk parallel zero? Would you? Did we? Well, the we reason I it. wanted to talk about it a little bit was um, we suggest it over mounting it on the side, which, by the way, when you mount it on the side, the, the display does actually, it can tell, it actually flips and it'll, nice. it'll read vertically no matter what orientation you have it in. Maybe except upside down. Uh, Not upside I don't upside think it down. does upside down. Well, why would you want that? Left, right, and on top. Okay. So that seems just awkward. Mount it upside down. But anyway, <laughs> anyway. Um, so it'll it'll do that. But we suggest the parallel zero with it mounted on top of your scope. Now, we talked a little bit about how, okay, let's say that you range something and then you dialed it and now, you know, your scope and the reticle has been dialed, so it it would give you an offset or something the laser's going to be way above where your reticle is at that point. Yeah, something would be amiss if you tried to range again as though you were still uh in your zero position with the rifle scope's reticle. Um but even Maybe further back from there, I want to backtrack a little bit. So the laser rangefinder and the rifle scope, say, are both zeroed at 100 yards, same spot, dead on. Now I want to range a target at, say, 800 yards. Now, okay, pretend I don't know the distance, but it's about 800 yards. It's far. It's far. 
One thing that I've been curious about, and you guys could probably speak to, this rangefinder is offset from this rifle scope, right. is offset from this barrel. And we know that they're like just with your rifle scope and your barrel, when they're offset, you have to account for that offset in terms of like getting your solution to shoot a target at 800 yards or so. Am I still going to be able to use, because the rangefinder is offset from the rifle scope, 800 yards plus away, am I still going to be able to use the center reticle as my aiming point for the rangefinder at a long distance like that and expect accuracy? Or will that offset have kind of come into play at all? So that's the beautiful thing about a parallel offset is that they are parallel until infinity. So if you have a 100-yard zero you're going to do a parallel offset, meaning your line of sight and your laser are parallel, and they're going to be parallel. Your line of sight and your laser are parallel, oh, continuous. As long, as, long as you're on zero, It's not right? like angled. So now what Tucker was talking about when you dial something in. So now you have a parallel offset, and when you dial something into our scope, which is down here, we're actually dialing it down, right, mm-hmm. to compensate our rifle to match our line of sight. So if we're now matched, where is our laser pointing up and over the top of it? You're like right. 1,275 yards. Yeah. You're like, that can't be right. That's, right. I right. thought that was 200. All right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So having the parallel offset is going to match your 100-yard zero. And granted, if you had your 100-yard zero and you matched exactly where your reticle yeah, like was, right, zero if you at came together, now those two things are crossing. Yes. And you're going to have that. So with the parallel zero being at zero or your 100-yard zero, 50-yard zero, those are going to be continuous all the way out no matter where you are. That's why we say, hey, go back to your zero or zero first, parallel zero um, with our reflective target. So you know at zero, you know exactly where your laser is going to be. Now, if you dialed something in, right, if you dialed something in, we're parallel, we dialed something in, this is going to stay the same. We're looking at our target now. Let's say in Tucker's um, explanation, three mils. If we hold under three mils, now that parallel is going to be pointed at that target. So we hold under three, and now we know where our laser is going to be. Whether it's nine or 12 or whatever the case may be, your solution's in front of you for you to know how much you need to hold down to know where your um, your laser is actually so pointing. So to touch on that, that, like if you have a, a standard basic reticle, um, you're not going to want to guess what you have dialed in, right? You're going to want a reticle with hash marks and measurements. So, I mean, you're like, eh, it's about a mil. I'm holding under about three oh, yeah. mils. You don't want to do that. You want to be able to, you know, be precise, use the reticle that has the slashes and hashes up top uh, to be able to do that. If you don't have that, I would recommend definitely dialing back to zero and mm-hmm. then rearranging yeah. if that's the case. That is nice. Though, and, and it makes sense when, um, you know, you give me a really great definition on the word parallel, which I apparently <laughs> needed again. Um, well, the hands, the hands look good. As soon as he pulled the hands out, I was like, oh, (laughs) duh. Got it. It is nice, though, that assuming you are on that zero, let's just take out, you know, that you've already dialed anything in. But assuming you're on zero, which is pretty easy to do, just get back to your zero, wherever the target is, boom, use your reticle to laze it, and you're going to have a distance on it. Correct. An accurate distance. Okay. So, yeah, you don't have to be worrying about all that weird angle stuff. Right. I'm getting all wrapped up. It's a laser, right? So Yeah, I'm getting all wrapped up in what the edge guys are talking about when they're doing all the night vision lasering, and they got an offset laser, and it's over here, and it's cross. Yeah, so. Those are different because those are Those are converted. So, the the big difference between a laser and a bullet, right? A bullet's really going to be affected by gravity. A laser is just a laser. It's going to shoot straight regardless. Whether it's 200 or 1,000, it's going to go straight in line 
with what you're seeing in the scope. As long as you're on zero, you should be able to range accurately very easily. Mm-hmm. I did I did see Nick spinning his wheels over there going parallel. Okay, how do how, how do, do I explain, explain this differently? How do I explain <laughs> the word how do I explain the word parallel without using the word parallel? Uh, you know to this guy. Parallel. But it, it does make s- it made me think about it a little bit more of the why behind it. Because I could see, like, you're getting set up 100. Like, why would I keep the laser up here? Dude, I could make this thing pinpoint accurate. I could make it go exactly where my bullets are going. Right. It's mm-hmm. like, well, no, yeah. because you need them Yeah. parallel, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> well, Or you're going to have people and they're like, well, how low to the bore can I get that laser? Right. <laughs> That's a good point, too. Some people may have questions about that. Like, man, it's six inches above the barrel. It has no correlation to the barrel whatsoever. Uh, just no. to touch on that, if you have that question, it only matters what you're seeing through the scope. The barrel and what happens in there is, is totally up to you as a shooter. Yeah, you need to keep them very separate. Like, the rifle scope is the the middleman, if you will, Correct. of information. You got the it. The rifle scope and the, and, the, and the rifle have their own relationship that's completely separate of the rifle scope and the rangefinder's relationship. It. The rangefinder is is separated entirely from the rifle itself, aside from just giving you information on what the, the bullet coming out of the rifle will do, which, you know, then... But the scope is kind of the connective tissue. You got it. Uh, both physically and uh, theoretically speaking. Or factually speaking, spiritually speaking. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. What are Spirit- we missing, Nicholas? <laughs> Spiritually, I'm in a really good spot after looking at this thing. That's mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. We're going to see one on your rifle here soon, probably. I'll tell you what. I mean, so for me personally, like um, like coyote hunting, things yeah. like that, mm-hmm. I'm just I'm really excited to, to get that on my AR. Yeah. That's a great point, too, like coyote hunting um, with thermals and stuff. There are thermals out there that have laser range finders on them, um, but I think that's a huge gap as well. Being able to mount this to some kind of clip-on thermal or your clip or actual day scope and have a clip-on and still be able to range properly, um, yeah. you can just get that animal inside your day scope through your clip-on and still be able to range it and get a solution. Well, none of the thermal optics range finders that I've seen are are particularly like unless you're talking about like buku dollars. You start yeah. that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. You start getting way up in price yeah. when you start I haven't getting... seen any like more commercially you know, whatever rangefinders where they're like, I mean a four thousand yard capable rangefinder with all this stuff. Right. Uh so yeah. I was trying to think I was thinking of one other thing. It's probably a really dumb question like the parallel no. But uh people are gonna have the same question, so it's good that we ask them. Right. Right. It probably won't adorn Mucky's hyperlight timber Montana ascent, whatever in you know that he chopped the barrel down to, you know, just barely legal. Maybe and I just I don't see it. I don't see it adorning that. But yeah, that's a question too. A lot of people are going to have is kind of the weight, right? Um, I think it's right around two pounds. Either how sixteen much? ounces. Is it so? It's sixteen ounces. One so it, it's one pound. Mm-hmm. So it's Divide almost the two. weight. I mean, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was just setting us up for success here. Oh yeah. Uh, so set it's, the, it's set the bar low and then immediately crush it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's about the weight of a handheld rangefinder, right? Yeah. So if you're carrying one anyways, it weighs about that. If in case people are wondering, uh, it looks a little bigger. Partly is because just the internals and the laser, but it's not huge. It's about the size of a normal rangefinder, but it has all the ballistics and uh, and weather stuff on it. So. Oh, I remember what I was going to ask because you mentioned the uh, internals of the laser and stuff like that. So to differentiate and to clarify, so there is a visible laser on board. The visible laser is used only in the zeroing process. Yeah, not Once very strong. It's, it's yeah. solely meant to like zero. It's, it's yeah. very utilitarian. Once you're done zeroing, the visible laser really doesn't 
have any use anymore. Correct. You turn it off. You can literally manually lock it out. You don't have to worry about that anymore. And from there, you have a laser, which I, I'm not going to try and recall which number designation this laser is. Uh, but for the folks out there who may be wondering, this is the type of laser, though, that you would be able to see under nods. Yeah, it's not the 1550 laser, the which... 905. 905. 905. I was going to say, he probably knows. <laughs> so this would be the 905. Yep. And then 1550 would be non-visible to nods or night yeah. vision. So You're it does not have more that. in the higher... The, the, the higher expensive stuff, just more mm-hmm. expensive stuff, excuse me, uh, military grade to where they aren't visible under nods. Right. Uh, the 905 um, being it will reach what you need to reach, um, but it will be visible. Right. Yeah, there's no need under, average consumer under, needs. Under nods. Right, right. It's invisible to the, to the naked eye. Correct. Uh, even, in the, even if you were ranging at night in complete darkness, it would be invisible to the naked eye, really, that we're talking about night vision devices. Mm-hmm. Um so until those, uh, which Mark said, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna claim this joke for my own. But until the prairie dogs get nods, we should be good. Good we should be all right. I think we'd have more problems. I'm not, then, I'm huh? not gonna rule anything out these days, though, Jim. <laughs> what did we miss? Huh? So. Did we get it all? Are we missing something? Anything else we needed to touch on? It looks sick. It does look good. It's a lot of fun to use. Everyone's so giddy when they use it too. Yeah. Yeah, it, I know the first time, you know, myself, I'm sure Nick and the other guys on our team got to see it. We were privy to this, you know, a year, year and a half ago because luckily we're involved in some of the testing of these things to make sure they're durable and they do what they say they do. Uh, we were like, oh, like it was totally unexpected, right? And I'm sure that's going to be the reaction to most of mm-hmm. our, our current customers or, or maybe potential customers. But uh, it really, there's really no competition for this on the market that I know of, or I don't think, I just don't think there is Yeah. at the price point, right? In the civilian market, uh, it's really going to enable people that maybe were a little scared of ballistics, a little scared of, you know, this stuff. It really makes it easy. Uh, Nick touched on it. It holds 10 stock profiles, you know, 308 Winchester, 223 Creedmoor, uh, all the basic ones. You can just select one of those, strap it on your gun, and go out probably to four or 500 yards pretty confidently. Mm-hmm. Once you want to get beyond that, you're going to want to start tweaking some numbers to match your, your weapon system. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It can't be overstated. It's another one of those things similar to the Relay Network. Similar, I mean, a lot of stuff that goes into optics um, that uh, – we the customer shouldn't really even have to appreciate because they should just expect it to be the case. But just to, again, uh, pat the back of the engineers that didn't ask us to do this, but we, we just are the durability and the ability to hold zero on this thing, um, is a big deal. A lot of people don't realize, I mean, to get a range finder, like you can't just duct tape your handheld range finder <laughs> onto a gun and expect what? it to hold it zero. <laughs> like these things can um, and there have been other things like this in the past that have cropped up and they kind of fell to the wayside uh, a little bit. And I think a, a great deal uh, of that was just because of uh, reviews from people where it just wasn't holding zero. Like this thing is expected to hold zero like anything else you'd be putting on your gun, like your rifle scope that you're putting on your gun, your precision optic. Um, and that's huge because... Yeah, it has to. I mean, it's gonna work. It's that's gonna work how it point. should. That's the point, right? And yeah. there was a there was a little snippet 
uh, on the internet that somehow got posted a little early. But on there, one of the big questions was, uh, is it going to have the VIP warranty? So, of course it is. It's covered oh, yeah. uh, just as everything else we have is. It will be covered if there is issues. Uh, we don't anticipate that you will need it because this thing is built tough. Yeah. Good to point out. Yeah. I mean, I, I think oftentimes we think, oh, it goes without saying, but you know, you should probably right. Worth yeah, mentioning. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, it's not. It's not common for items that are mostly electronic mm-hmm. like this. And for the one commenter who said, "It's going to need it." Yeah, uh, you have no idea how business <laughs> works, and uh, clearly, you're a moron because we that, do read those comments, we, right? <laughs> why would we put a VIP warranty on something that's going to need it? That's the that dumbest is, thing. That is not a good I've business ever heard, model. And uh, I hate you. So um, <laughs> that's all. Right from the man. Um, yeah, we read these comments, guys. We pay attention. We listen to customers. Uh, we obviously would not build anything intentionally to then need to replace it uh, shortly thereafter. So that's yes. a great point, too. That's yes. not fun for anybody. No. No, that's um, a good point. <laughs> and speaking of fun, you know, Nick, you pointed it out earlier, though. Like, this thing is fun. Like, there is a level of giddiness when you get behind it, you range, and then you dial or you hold and you shoot, and it's all so clean, so simple, so precise, so effortless easy right you're not you know um it's kind of one of those things that just kind of makes you smile and you're like oh and then and then you can and then you can use your like infomercial it's just that simple i wish we had a perfect i wish we had a turntable tagline that'd be good i'm I'm trying to be the turntable but be the turntable yeah we had a uh we had a a group here from shields or syngenta somebody came a dealer came to visit us and then we took them uh shooting on on products we were using or whatever and uh we did have these out for those guys and uh there were a couple guys that had never shot past 100 yards or so yeah i like to stay in 100 that's where i'm confident and that's great you should limit yourself so we we went through a quick rundown on, on this and then the Razor GB uh, 4000. And I think he hit 1,102 shots. Yeah. And he was just mm-hmm. beside himself. I can't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he was using, I believe, this Seekins uh, hit rifle yeah, uh, or one like it. Something like and, uh, you know, just an off the shelf factory ammo, nothing special. He went out there, he ranged one, saw it, corrected, and, and impacted the very second shot. Uh, and it will really teach you a little more about ballistics, right? If you don't know anything and you start from scratch, uh, you buy this slowly as you use it. The more you get comfortable with it, you're going to start to understand what these numbers mean and, ha- and how to use it properly. You know? And even if ballistics are foreign to you, the app lays it out pretty well for you to understand what you need to input, why it's input or why you need to input it, what it's doing and how it's calibrating or not calibrating. But um getting that trajectory for you to hit this target. It's 1,100 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't make it a foreign thing to you. There's a lot of these little uh, information um, icons that you can press, like spin drift. Um, what is that? Aerodynamic aerodynamic jump. You can press, like, what is that? Why is that being implied? Why do I need to think about that? So it's very interactive as, as far as teaching people what's going on. Like, mm. there's no more really acronyms. You know, BC, like we lay it out, ballistic coefficient, right. you know, what's yeah. ballistic coefficient? Oh, this is the value it's given to my bullet, this slipperiness of my bullet through density altitude to be mm-hmm. able to achieve those um, farther shots. So I think the app does a really good job of teaching that person, mm-hmm. right? They can be as simple, like we started started this podcast, it can be as simple as you want to make it, but it allows you to dive in and understand what's going on in that trajectory and the factors that are being applied to it to make you a more accurate, confident shooter um, out in the field. Yeah. Yeah. It's go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say it's funny because like the stuff that we're playing with is um, the, the this impact range finder didn't invent anything new that we're reading or 
portraying to the end user. Like it's all information that has always been out there and that has always been highly encouraged to the shooter to use. Uh, but it's a matter of making it as easy to access and as simple to like put right at your fingertips as possible that I think this thing does. Um, so, you know, I, you know, inevitably some people will be like, that's too futuristic for me, but it's like, okay, well, do you like being accurate when you shoot at things? That makes yes. a difference. <laughs> In order to do that, you need to know a number of variables. Yes. Okay. This gives you those and you need to be able to understand all those variables and then what those variables mean and what right. you need to then do with your scope and your gun. Right. Yes. Okay. So then the rest is just on you to just put it in and then execute the shot. Execute. So like, really, it's not, it's not like you've, uh, like you've just put uh, not reinventing the wheel, yeah. right? It just made it well, easier. I mean, I remember a time when dialing my turret was Scary. like yeah. a futuristic concept. We it's run like, into those people wait, all the time. You're yeah. gonna touch that? Thing? Yeah, don't you, touch it. It's zeroed. Yeah, you've got a zero. You're gonna touch that? <laughs> yeah. Like, are took you insane? Me, took me three boxes to get that zero. You better <laughs> not touch right. that turret. <laughs> so, to, to Nick's point, uh, whether it's or, or both you guys, if you're using, you know, the Impact Four Thousand, the Four Thousand GB handheld, or you're just using the app. Um, our goal as a company is to make ballistics more achievable for you, for your guy that doesn't touch the turret. Uh, for somebody that's never shot past 100 yards, and, and I guess it's important to mention that the app we have is, is GeoBallistics. It's in the App Store, wherever you get your apps. Uh, you can download it. Download the free version. Uh, anytime you connect uh, a Razer GB, uh, Impact 4000, it will automatically up, update you to the the pro or the elite elite, elite, elite version mm -hmm. of that. So you don't have to then buy that $15 app. You can use it as a standalone app for free if you just want to check it out. Uh, that's also cool. Uh, but anytime you connect you know, these products or maybe future products to it, it will automatically up, update you to that to mm -hmm. the higher version. So I mm -hmm. thought it was worth mentioning. We got yep. to do, do a whole podcast on just the app. I think yeah. we should, oh, yeah. Because there's so much right. in there that it can do. I mean, the, the mapping thing in and of itself is very unique Sick. to GeoBlue. Um, and yeah, yeah, absolutely the uh, game changer. So, um, not to use a completely overused phrase, but, um, I think I got is. another answer to a question too. um, downloading the app and setting up yourself an account. Cause we save all of your information, oh, not yeah. all of your information. Every okay. so cool. Cool. We also okay. get access to the camera that faces your yeah. face. <laughs> oh. Just kidding. So your true. gun information, all your profiles in there, whether you have five guns or whether you have 97 guns, it doesn't matter. Your information is going to be saved on like a cloud network. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you lose your phone, if you lose your device, you're like, man, I went through so many rounds to be able to get all those profiles and now they're gone. Mm -hmm. Guess what? We still got them. Yeah, right that's here only you. if you make an account. So all we need is an email, email address, password, password, and that's it. And then save yeah, we, that. Nice. We'll, we'll have we your information in case we don't you lose give your information. That's a good point. We don't give your information to the government either. We sell your email address, so for sure, right? No. <laughs> Tucker, that was a joke. Ixnay on the. Um, I'm gonna paint a picture. I know we're going long here, but like I'm just paint like it. as we're talking through this, I'm picturing like I'm actually getting excited for winter, and I want to have my AR on my switchback carbon tripod. Yeah, and I'm either using my e-collar or because I have the tripod. I mean, my gun is mounted up where I anticipate something com coming in. Maybe I'm doing a little bit of hand calling. Jim, the last time we coyote hunted, we did a little bit of a, a combo, a little That's little right. Fox Pro time comboed with some hand That's calling. Right. You probably got uh, a couple of brand new inbox, never open, still tags on Fox Pros in your basement somewhere, right? Oh yeah, seven, eight, nine, ten. I don't know. Oh, um, okay. And uh, yeah, man, that coyote just comes slipping over the ridge. Maybe he's a little nervous. Maybe he's a little call shy and just kind of stops and sits down. 
and you're just like, not today. Range. That's the idea. Not mm. today. Mm. Yeah, it really streamlines that. It just makes everything so much faster, right? I mean, time is always of the essence, whether you're on the clock at a competition <sighs> or you have an animal. Too. Less All movement, that. too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, this thing's cool. Like you. Good painting, Mark. I don't. That's how, that's how I. That's Mark Casso. The, I, I guess I painted that picture because that's one of the main ways I see myself using it. That's Beautiful perfect. Picture. That, I'm mm-hmm. going to tell that to my kids this yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. All through their house. Um, well, all right. Is that it? I'd say. Thanks for having us on, guys. We always uh, oh appreciate gosh. coming in. Thanks for the. Uh, thanks for jumping on, Tucker. We've had you on before, Nick. First, first time. Can't yeah. believe it. Actually, we're talk- we were precasting, and I'm like, really? First time? We need to do this more often. We should really do this more often. We need to do, the G- we need to do it in-depth in that, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that would be yeah. a good good podcast. Yeah, I think you guys would be the right guys for the job on that, too. So. We'd be happy we to enjoy come. it. We enjoy teaching. We enjoy using this stuff. So, awesome. Well, thank you, guys. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, hopefully, you're as pumped about the Impact 4000 as we are. Man, it's uh, it's a cool piece of tech. We think you're really going to like it. <laughs> All right. Have a good one, guys. Bye, everybody. Thanks. There you have it, folks. Thank you very much for listening. As usual, give this video a like if you liked it. Comment something below and give us a subscribe to the Vortex Nation podcast channel. It would mean a lot to us. Also, why don't you give us a follow over on Instagram while you're at it, at Vortex Nation Podcast. We'd love to hear from you over there, and we'll keep you updated with all kinds of cool photos and videos from our adventures that we do here. Otherwise, we will see you on the next one. Thank you again. Happy hunting and shooting, everybody. Have a good one.